Every day is game day, especially in policing where no two days are the same. When you first um, graduated, mm -hmm. you got your first posting, was, was this one of your goals to become an OIC? Is the RCMP a good place for women to work? Welcome to Conversations That Matter, where we ask questions, explore topics, and shine a light on what's truly important. Today on Conversations That Matter, we have Kara Tryance. Welcome. Thank you. The superintendent of our local constabulary. So how long has it been now? This has been something that's come up in question with a lot of people. It's superintendent Kara Tryance with the prefix, and then the position is officer in charge. Officer in charge. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's always something that uh, gets asked of me. What do I say? Do I say officer in charge or do I say superintendent? And I just say, you can call me Kara and I'm your officer in charge. All right. Yeah. You're the one calling the shots on, uh, at the detachment. Correct. So it's been a year? It has been a year and a month. A year and a month. Yeah. So October 26th was my start date in 2020. So perfect. What we're trying to do here today is maybe talk about the year 2021 mm -hmm. and then maybe look ahead to 2022. And you've been here a year and a bit. So some of the bigger, I guess, challenges this year that you, that you, that you see or... How many challenges can I pick? <laughs> Let's go with top 10. <laughs> top 10. I arrived in a global pandemic. So uh, incredible opportunity to come here, but there has been no shortage of challenges. We are amidst what I would argue uh, is a significant period of growth. Um, Kelowna detachment, it's no secret that there was uh, significant um, challenges before me when I arrived as we began to rebuild relationship with our community um, after some pretty significant events. One of them being the sexual assault response and review, um, some significant conduct issues, as well as um, growing crime in our, our downtown core when we respond to a fentanyl and substance use crisis um, that this city is passionate about solving and working on and yet, at times, it feels like a monstrous challenge. So lots of things for me as your police chief that are relevant and pertinent. And, uh, and that's sort of on the surface that uh, connects me with the community um, with respects to challenges. And of course, uh, internally, as a police leader, um, there's all of those challenges that you work through as you bring forward your own vision and your own change and your own um, lens on a pathway forward. And... And of course, those challenges are a little bit more granular, but certainly have been mountainous at times. Right. So, so there were there were some troubles that were still kind of lingering when you got there. And I remember at the beginning you saying that you you wanted to see uh, a change in the culture. Mm -hmm. So, how's that going? Yeah. So, change doesn't happen overnight. There's no secret that um, culture change is. Um, I would I would say a global issue that policing is looking at right now and this isn't Kelowna specific this isn't Canada specific this is internationally police agencies are looking at culture and um, our connections with our community and our relationships with our community and examining how that is and here in Kelowna we're no different um, and I believe in my 22 years of policing, I've had the opportunity to work small towns, large cities, uh, Vancouver um, or, or greater Vancouver uh, policing opportunities. And those have all rounded me out to uh, realize that it is the connection with our community 
that will allow us to progress and see successes. And so for me, that culture change, you're asking, how's that culture change going? Um, I would argue that every day we go in and we layer on piece by piece, um, commitment to the job, a steady progression forward. And I, I believe we are in, um, we can look back at this year and see a lot of changes and a lot of successes, but we're not where I want to be yet. I see this as a, um, if we stop growing and if we stop changing, we're going to run into problems. Um, and so for me, this is a growth period for, um, I've set out a three-year plan. I did those in my strategic priorities, but a lot of those are focused on internal, uh, culture change as well. How much of leadership plays a part in, in how you run the detachment? How much of that can you put into the, the people that you are in charge of? Is, is a leadership, ch- when you know Brent Mundell was here, how much of that is impacted by RCMP itself or the leadership that you kind of do on a day-to-day basis? I think leadership is um, extremely important in terms of the direction that this ship will go, in the direction that we will... Um, in the ground that we will achieve and the momentum that we will, um, um, gain over time, it is going to be, um, a collective effort. So there's no doubt we cannot do it alone. If if I have five phenomenal leaders on my executive team, uh, at Kelowna RCMP detachment, but we have nobody else pulling towards that work and we're just five leaders working alone. We're probably not great leaders if we don't have our team with us. So leadership is about how we empower our teams. It is how we work together collectively uh, through teamwork. And that is the entire detachment pulling together. And it is strength in our community and relationship in our community. The police are a small fraction of um, the the partners working together to, to solve the issues of homelessness and crime, substance use, uh, poverty and our pathway forward, the goals that we have to, to um, that I would like to see us make progress in. The police are one small piece of that, small piece of that puzzle. You seem to be very well-spoken. So in your leadership style seems to be more open, I'm going to guess, and more um, open to change. How big of a role do you think it is that you kind of are more like available to media, available to, to the public and that? Like what, what, what role does that play? Well, for myself, um, I grew up playing team sports. I grew up in a family that had educators in them. And if I look back at those um, instrumental times of change for myself and uh, successes where we started to see um, growth as individuals and growth as a team, I think about the different leadership styles that have influenced me over time. and. It was those who were transparent and clear with me that weren't afraid to say, we're not doing well and we need to get better, um, that really resonated, that I was able to connect with and see my pathway forward and see my role in that. And in those leaders that have shaped my life, it has been those that have leaned in and spoken clearly, not being afraid to say, I'm sorry when we're wrong, or I'm sorry if we have not shown up as I want us to show up, as I believe we should show up, and as I believe the community expects us to show up, but also those who say, I'm sorry is not good enough. You need to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get to work and make those changes. We know if we're gonna go and run a race, we're gonna run a marathon, we're not gonna do that overnight. We're gonna do that through progression and through change and through layering on 
um, increased growth every day. And it might be small tweaks and changes in our diet, in our exercise plan, in our commitment, in our time schedules, in who we train with that gets us to those goals. It's not one collective movement that says, yeah, now I'm going to be able to go out and run that marathon. I see policing and police leadership in a similar manner. It's not one thing I'm going to do that's going to change this. It is how collectively we work together. And it's going to be through a lot of micro decisions that get us to that goal. And of course, we need to pause throughout that and look back and say, have those micro decisions added up to where we want to be today? What what do we need to do in order to uh, pivot and uh, be agile enough to say, yeah, this is working and this isn't working? Or the vision I had here was great, but it needs to be changed to adapt to whatever's changing around us. I like to say every day is game day. Yeah. And, and then and I compete with myself and I want to be better every day. And I think that's kind of basically what you're having to say there is like every day is game day. Are you prepared for today? Every day is game day, especially in policing where no two days are the same. I could come in today and um, I'm going to meet with my senior leadership team and I have a focus and a vision and we are going to work on uh, some leadership development competencies and then we're going to dig into some executive level taskings and try and and push forward some change but right before i do that i'm taken aside uh, by another uh, matter that i that throws me for a loop and we're having to um, pivot on that and change no two days in policing is the same um, we can be impacted every day by the events that are happening around us but it's about being able to be agile enough to adapt to that and to make sure that uh, we have a team that's that's strong enough to lean on and step in when we're not going to be able to um, or or to be able to lean on in terms of depth. I'm just wondering when um, you're quite young to be heading up an RCMP detachment and mm -hmm. I'm just imagining you know as you stepped in your, into your role saying we're going to change the culture that there might have been some people who've been there a long time that are kind of going, well, what's wrong with our culture? And who's like, did you get resistance from, from the existing, the people who were kind of in charge of the culture that existed when you stepped into the role? Was so some of the best leaders that I've worked for, um, it was an age that gave them the experience that they needed to be able to be competent leaders. And, um, age is a, a great thing because experience um, brings with us a whole bunch of learnings and every day I learn a little bit more and I become a bit more um, I have a bit more depth but for me um, what's been really important in Kelowna is figuring out what is what are Kelowna's uh, issues what are the things we're going to work on in Kelowna listening um, bringing forward my lens on this and the question is, have I experienced resistance? Absolutely. Within the detachment, I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. And if there aren't resistors, I probably um, wouldn't have been called up to do this job in that uh, we would have been uh, where we needed to be. And yeah. um, I think what's really important is is that process, right? So you're going to have those who are actively resisting what you're doing. You're going to have those who are somewhere in the middle, and you're going to have those who are um right away seeing and strategically thinking as collaborative partners in this change and this vision. They get it right from the beginning. But that focus on that middle um, group and making sure that they have the tools, the skills, the competencies, and the abilities to see your vision, to partner with you in your vision, and to understand what their role is in that is, I would argue, been my 
biggest focus over this last year. And and certainly where necessarily necessary dealing with the resistors in a um, in a one on one matter to tailor that and deal with those issues head on. Yeah. You played sports. Mm-hmm. You mentioned what were the sports you played? Oh, my gosh. How long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Rugby was the one that I played at the national level. We won nationals and oh, I played that for UBC and, and the province. Um, so that was sort of my my passion uh, that I discovered pretty late in life because my school brought on a women's rugby team. They always had a men's rugby team, but they brought on a women's rugby team when I was in grade 11. And so I naturally transitioned into that. But as I was growing up, I played soccer, basketball, volleyball. I'm a skier. I'm a biker. I do triathlons. Awesome. Yeah, I very wow. much like to so, be active. So for the rest of uh, us out here that <laughs> more relate to hockey, if, if you're the coach behind the bench, is there a coach in particular that you would be, or maybe in basketball too, that you think that's kind of your style? You know, I will connect this to Kelowna. Um, I grew up uh, playing sports and uh, Trish Robinson and um, the Steen family were two fa- two. Um, you know, I had so many, oh, I'm thinking about it now because now that you say that, um, I'm forgetting three or four coaches that just popped into mind as as monumental. Um, so if I've got to really kind of narrow it down, um, I would go back to um, Trish Robinson. And and for me, what, what I think I learned through sports and through coaching, um, and that's just one ex- aspect of leadership um, that I've leaned on right now in this conversation, but there's also been really phenomenal police leaders that have taught me throughout my career um, some of what I've learned to be in the position now and who continue to um, support me and, and let me lean on them. But if I was going to take away sort of some key facts there, it is showing up when your players need you most or your team needs you most. It is about listening. It is about understanding that we have to take care of our people first in order for them to go out and perform as we need to. So so holding boundaries and setting high standards is extremely important, but you also have to be able to tailor those expectations to what each person can achieve at that time. And that's gonna vary and that's gonna be slightly different. If you're a teacher and you have a classroom of students, uh, you're going to provide different support to those students. Fair is not necessarily equal. It's about looking at your teams and saying, and your your players, your staff, your employees, and saying, what does this person need right now? Where they're at in order to achieve these goals. And some people are going to need a little bit more, and others are going to come along a bit natu- more naturally. And then there's going to be those who need a significant amount of investment and time and energy and training and skills and tools. And those take up the majority of your work. But uh, but I think being able to understand that um, humans, when they come together, when they're trying to achieve goals, collectively are going to need different things. And being able to adapt your leadership style to ensure that all of those are being addressed. Is the... RCMP um, a good place for women to work? Well, I can tell you in my 22 years of policing, I've had a phenomenal experience as a uh, female in this organization. And that is uh, largely in part to um, the fact that I've had police leaders who have looked at me for my skills and qualities and said, I see you as, as a future in this organization. I want to make sure that um, I support you on your pathway to 
achieving your goals. At times that was leadership and other times that was uh, getting into uh, coveted teams or sections that I was working towards. Um, I've had phenomenal uh, women and men who have supported me in my career. But I can't collectively speak for all of the women in the organization. And there are a lot of women that have struggled. There is a lot of um, people out there who do not see women as um, as as leaders, whether that be in policing or in the corporate world right. or other public sector pieces. They see the traditional male as a as a leader. And and we when we look at leadership qualities, um, and we start to genderize leadership qualities, we're missing 50% of the population that um, brings another whole unique facet towards leadership. Uh, I've had a, a lot of work studying, I've done a lot of work studying women in leadership as well as um, supporting um, the BC Women in Law Enforcement, uh, an association which is um, designed to collaborate and network and support uh, women police leaders across the province. and. Uh, we've got a long ways to go in, in law enforcement. And I believe we have a long ways to go in society to see um, women raised to equal levels of responsibility in all sectors. But as we begin to invest in women, we begin to invest in our economy, we invest in our future, we invest in um, equality, we're going to see successes in society. That's a must. When you first um, graduated, mm-hmm. you got your first posting, was, was this one of your goals to become an OIC or is, or is it just kind of like happened as you, as you moved along? Absolutely. This was not uh, one of my goals. I never saw myself running a police station when I was a young constable, um, brand new in my career. In fact, it wasn't until I had uh, seven years experience and I was working in a smaller detachment and I was looking at the person who was running the detachment and it was tangible enough tangible enough at that time to see the work that they were doing and how that translated into our outcomes as police officers and our partnership with the community and i began to think i might do things differently if i was in that position and i started to look at the work that we could achieve and the vision that we had in a very small community and saw myself making different decisions and understanding that if I had the scope and sphere of influence over that detachment, I would be able to affect change. This is Bella Bella? That's right, Bella Bella. Incredible place. It's a, the police station is in Bella Bella, home of the Health Sick First Nation. Um, but there, the community, the detachment itself covers five communities. The community of Awikano, Kittisu, Shearwater, and Ocean Falls, and a pretty large coastal area surrounding that. So. Um, a phenomenal place to work and um, and it gave me um, it, it, coming from Richmond which was big city policing we were taking 17 files in a night we were I was working towards uh, robbery section I was doing drug work I was in a completely different uh, type of police work prior to going to Bella Bella I um, I was forced to grow really quickly, <laughs> moving mm-hmm. into a tiny community of 1,500 people, uh, primarily Indigenous, and understanding our um, historical uh, issues as the RCMP, our wrongs, our role in um, in colonization, our uh, pathway forward, and how we were going to um, change the trajectory of where we were going in Canada and start to embrace some of our... Um, future, I had to get really real, really quick with understanding what we did, where we are, and where we're going to go. And uh, 
this was a place of growth for me for sure it was the first place that i saw myself running a police station um and it was it was there that i think i had to do a lot of internal work to say what do i want to do in five years 10 years 15 years now even then i didn't see myself running uh colonna detachment but i i did see myself uh in a mid-sized police station and um over time i think you don't go into change with um, understanding of, of where you're going to become. You, you grow through that change. And so each time that I took on a position, I saw myself growing in that work. Every day we, we have to be willing to um, understand we're not going to have all the answers. We've got lots to learn and lots to grow into. And that's, I think, how you begin to um, see yourself in, in positions of leadership and growth, starting small and building towards bigger things. We see that spark of leadership in, in quite a few places where um, Kent and I were lucky enough to meet Jean Chrétien, and he said the, mm. a similar thing that you said. I, you know, he said, I never thought I could be prime minister, but I looked around, and I said, I could do a better job than these guys. <laughs> that sounded <laughs> a lot like what you said there, right? Just like, yeah. I think I can do better. I've got some better ideas here. So, and I think that's lots of times when leaders step up and they say, hey, I, I think I can do a better job than what's going on right now. I, I'm very confident in my abilities. Yeah, and... And I think that was a pretty naive thing to say when I was a seven-year constable and I was looking at running a small police station. Ah, you know, if I was in that role, I could do a better job. But I do think that you have to have a little bit of confidence and a little bit of, um, I got this, in order to face up to the challenges that are going to come behind you. If if you're going to waver, and and I'm not saying you have to be so confident that you know that the only way right is your way that's not going to help you but you have to have a bit of confidence to say i'm going to step up to the plate i'm going to swing and i'm hopefully going to connect and knock it out of the park and it might take a bit of practice to get there i might not make every hit but i i think you have to have that level of confidence that says i'm willing to take this on i'm going to get into the game i'm going to roll up my sleeves and i'm going to give it my best shot forward we, we we have seen that i i was quite surprised how open and publicly critical you were of how the justice system is kind of making things difficult for what you guys are doing. That sounds like the kind of thing that in the past would be more dealt with through back channels, but there you are, you know, kind of taking that on. Well, you know, I think what I need to be really clear about with that one is we as police officers need to own the areas of responsibility that we are responsible for. But when the police are being asked why is this person not in jail? And we've done everything in our power to bring that person to jail and or why is this person not getting the help that they need? Uh, Whether that be through the medical system, if this person is addicted, if this person has mental health issues, whatever it might be, we have to own our part in that. But then we need to look to, in the case I think you're referring to, the policymakers, the decision makers, the system leaders to say, what is the right way to address this situation? And the police cannot own all of this. Um, and I'm prepared to own the things that we are responsible for. Absolutely, 100%. You will see me step up to the plate and say, this is my area of wrong and I own this. Yeah. But when it is in our area of wrong, we also need to make sure that the questions are being directed to the right decision makers and the right people in the power to make the change. In, tho- in that particular case, and most recently, when we talk about uh, the catch and release uh, concerns that uh, have been been kind of um, even more f- forefront uh, in my 
my last year here as we start to look at the impacts of COVID and how uh, remand centers have been brought down to 50% um, capacity or how um, staffing levels affect our partners in Crown Council or healthcare, how, um, how policymakers have made decisions that have said, that jail is not the right place to fix social disorder, which I don't disagree with. But we need to have an alternative in place so that the police are not the only um, method for for solving that problem. We cannot uh, um, arrest somebody or be called to deal with something and not have either open doors to healthcare or open doors to uh, incarceration facilities um, and or some other suitable alternative or else we're left holding that ball. And I think what's really important for me is to make sure that the community understands exactly where the issue lies and point the fingers in the right place to say, hey, I think this is how we need to change this. Let's invest here. Let's put our time and energy into this and make sure that we get the changes that we want. 2022 coming up pretty quick here. If you have a Christmas wish list for the RCMP for your, for your detachment. So in 2022, I think what I've been able to uh, reflect on from 2021 is our work in partnership with our community will be our success in 2022. And um, I'm extremely grateful that um, our police officers across Canada have been successful in the collective bargaining agreement and being able to establish a collective agreement so that they can um recruit and retain RCMP officers at an equitable rate to other law enforcement officers across Canada. And what this means is bringing in and being able to bring in the resources we need to be able to police and to do our job. And and that's certainly making the RCMP a more appealing police agency to apply for. And we're starting to see the recruits going through depot at higher rates. So I'm certainly hopeful for lots of uh, police officers coming our way that are interested and eager to not only live in Kelowna, but uh, be part of the community and uh, work in our police station. We have a, I know we have a few members that are on foot patrol downtown and they used to have the little John Deere cart and stuff like that and then bike patrol like is is that we're going to see more of that or is that going to stay the same or absolutely so continued investments in 2022 means that we will continue to invest in our frontline resources so those are the uniform patrols that you see um, walking downtown biking um, in the, the gator and interacting with our businesses as well as responding to your 911 calls. So uniform police response, we'll continue to make investments there. We're gonna invest in our serious crimes and our, our investigative services that respond to the most um, heinous and at-risk crimes in our community, or sorry, most, most um, serious crimes in our community. Those teams need a continued investment. They are um, dealing with compounding uh, workloads, and we absolutely need to uh, put our energy and time into there. So lots of um, lots of small changes within, I think, that we're making as well to create efficiencies, improve workflow and processes, and invest in areas that um, can take some of the workload off of police officers and onto our support staff who play an integral role. Um, as we continue to invest in all these areas and begin to free up the time for our police officers to do more police work, I think we're going to... Uh, reap those benefits. Is there some asset investment that's missing? Like you got, you got the helicopter, you got the, you got the other, you got the other base of operations out at the north side of town. You've got that big 
truck. I don't know what they call that. Is that that's SRT? the tab? Yeah. So those are all. It's interesting. You're you're uh, tapping into what are provincial resources, and so that's the beautiful thing about the RCMP being also the provincial police force of BC. In Ontario, you have the Ontario provi- uh, provincial police force. Quebec, you have Sûreté de Quebec. Um, here in, in BC, we have the RCMP not only as your provincial police force of BC, but also as your municipal police force. And um, so the, the helicopter, the emergency response team. Um, and the vehicles and assets that come with those teams, they are provincial assets that support our municipality here in Kelowna. So while we might pay for overtime on a call, if we call in those, um, those assets and they need to be used, those are, uh, provincially paid for assets that we benefit from. So they're not under your direct control then? They're, they're They're under, there's uh, a hybrid, um, system there you've got the chief superintendent at southeast district chief superintendent hogley uh he runs the all of the southeast district which goes all the way to the alberta border and and just uh, north of kamloops and um and then you have the commanding officer in bc um and and Dwayne mcdonald is our, our new commanding officer as of this summer and he runs the entire division e division so how much does technology play a role in like how much like obviously there's a you know when you got a helicopter you got these different vehicles that are out there how much more technology do you guys in i know when you're in the cruisers that there's a lot of tech in those cars mm-hmm. um how much does tech look like in the future like what are you guys seeing are they do they show you stuff like you know like the james bond movies where they say hey you can have this and this and this <laughs> Policing is actually much more boring than what you see on TV. It's really fun to watch the uh, TV shows with policing and you think, wow, you, you see CSI and they sure can solve something really quick. The uh, The investment in technology is extremely important. I make light of the uh, the television TV because uh, I'm, I'm always amazed at how they can wrap up a crime in 55 minutes mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's so so quick and simple. It's not quite that easy in real life. Are we going to see a day when, when an RCP member is is recording their entire day? Or all of their interactions? You will. Very soon. Uh, I can't Does give a, a constable sp- want that? If I was a constable, I would want that. <laughs> I can't speak for every constable out there, but here's my take on it. If I am seeing something, I want to be able to recall that and play that back. I want that piece of extra accountability that says, here's the choices that I make and the reasons I made those choices. And uh, being able to rely on technology to say, this is what I was seeing, and here's a replay of that event, is some of the best evidence that we could play. And uh, I absolutely want that technology, and it assists us greatly in dealing with, it It speeds up judicial processes, it speeds up um, conduct processes and public complaints, and really works hard to um, to share about the work right. that our police officers are doing. Will there doing be any seeing... privacy-related pushback on that, though? Before... They're working through all of those aspects. I'm sure that there's going to be all sorts of privacy things, but there's times when those cameras get turned off and on. Right. You know that you're going to be you're going to need downtime in your shift. You're yes. going to need uh, to have time where you're just working at your desk. Those are all times. So you where think your those things could be, be cleared off. up so that we will see that. Yeah, absolutely. So that'll be turned. The camera would be turned off during that time. The stop recording at that time, and then as you enter your police car and um, begin to engage in in uh, your primary response police work, that's when your camera would go back on. Do you have any other questions, Kent? Oh, I could keep asking questions all day. I think you know. um, Well, one that comes to mind is we, we we have seen some issues. In related to how the detachment 
and we brought it up earlier in the conversation as well, has dealt with sexual assaults when they happen. Do you think we can get through 2022 with, without hearing another story about how it was handled poorly, a complaint like that? Here's what I can tell you. A lot of what we're doing, and even the most recent case that uh, we heard about over the last month, was a 2019 case. We're seeing this work come through as they hit the judicial processes, as we evolve in conversation through society um, and educate people on the Me Too movement. Um, I believe we have the right police leaders in place to be able to affect change. Do I think my officers are going to get it right every time? No. But do I think that 98% of them are out there doing the best job they can with the tools and information that they have at, available to them? Absolutely. And um, when I think about the experience that I brought in with Inspector Beth McCandy, she worked vulnerable persons and uh, she's also an experienced um accredited team commander. She worked homicides and robbery, all sorts of other things in the lower mainland. Um, but she was also in Surrey child abuse and uh, sex crimes. And she comes to us with um, extreme experience, not only in culture change, involving how we respond as police officers to people impacted by trauma, incredible knowledge and experience in trauma-informed policing, which is a very new concept for police officers. When I started, I didn't know what trauma science was. And I certainly, although studying sociology at UBC and going through our police training, did not have that training experience, nor did the social workers I was dealing with or the healthcare workers. That has come to us within the last uh, eight to 10 years in policing. And Beth is an expert in this area. She is one of the best in the province, and I am so grateful to have her on board. She started March of 2021. she has already uh, built relationships with the CAC, with our partners in victim services, with our leaders in vulnerable persons, and has started to affect change in those areas, bring around our training and our response, make sure our teams are resourced appropriately, appropriately and respond to how we um, address sexual violence in our community. Do I think that there is great um, hope in our future? Absolutely. Sounds good. Do you have any uh, message for the community of of Kelowna that you'd want to share? Yeah, I think we're going to move forward together with courage. And I think what's important about that message is that uh, we need to be courageous in how we look at uh, change. We need to be able to be vulnerable and uh, and open to saying, um, what are our issues in Kelowna? Where do we need to invest our time? What does courage mean to speak up and say this isn't working or this is working what does courage mean to say i'm getting behind this and i support this and i'm invested in this change and what does uh, courage mean when it means to come out of a pandemic and embrace the situation that we are in uh, with hope and uh, resilience and uh, a pathway forward i think we're moving forward together with courage love it Thanks. If you have any topics you would like to hear a conversation on, email us at podcasts at nowmediagroup.ca.